Hey, it's Shane here. Throughout the majority of my career, I spent thousands of hours on my technique to try to be as close to perfect as I could be. But the one thing I didn't work on was my mental skills. On the exact mindset I needed every ball to be able to access all of my technical skills that I worked so hard to develop. Well, I've recently released my book, Winning the Inner Battle, which has all of the information that you will ever need to deeply understand how you can create the correct mindset for you so that you can bring the best version of yourself every time you step out into the middle. Go to shamewatson.au to purchase a copy of Winning the Inner Battle now. It is available in paperback, ebook, or audiobook versions. Well, it's now time for your episode of Lessons Learned with the Greats. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lessons Learned with the Greats. I'm Shane Watson, and today is a special episode focusing on the mental side of the game. I've been so lucky to have spoken to some of the game's greatest players about how they develop their mental skills and what their ultimate mindset looked like. Today we hear from five legends, Shane Warne, Alan Border, Kevin Peterson, Mike Hussey and A.B. de Villiers about how they handle the mental side of cricket, starting with their king of spin. Warney was known for his mental strength on and off the field, but early on in his career he had the same doubts as everyone else. That all changed in 1992 when he landed a brilliant flipper to dismiss West Indies great Richie Richardson, which led to his maiden five-wicket haul, a test match victory and belief he could get any batsman out in the world. You know, when that time, when everyone starts, in whatever field it might be, whether it be in business, whether it be in sport, whether it be in music, you know, and so on, whatever you do in life, there's a moment where you just deliver and whatever that might be. And to get, and no matter what anyone says to you or tries to inspire you or motivate you, uh, and they're all great with people telling you you're good enough and all that sort of stuff, but you never believe it until you actually do it. There's no secret formula. There's no anything like that. You've just got to do it. And if you're good enough, you will. Mm-hmm. And then once you've done it once, that's then it's about your mindset and your approach uh, to it. So my mindset from sort of that moment on, um, was no matter who's batting down the other end, I feel I can get you out. <laughs> and that's a, a big, rather than scared of bowling to someone, oh, no, this guy's going to whack me. Um, or when you're batting, oh, this guy can get me out. How far? He can bowl a great bumper. He's got an outswing and inswinger. He's got an unbelievable slow ball. Oh, geez, what am I looking <laughs> So suddenly you're looking for all these different things rather than just playing the ball. Mm. So it's a relaxation of your, your headspace that I think, but you can't do it until you've actually done it. And if you're good enough, you will do it. And then once you've done it once, then it's about you saying, okay, well, how good am I? And that's something you just do internally and you want to test yourself. And then your body language and everything when you walk out in the field is the confidence because you feel no matter who's down the other end, you can get them out. That was sort of my mindset. And the other thing was I, I never saw cricket as a job. You know, I, 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 I always saw it as how lucky am I to be doing this? I love doing it and how lucky am I? So I sort of saw it as a, a hobby and as fun. And I, I think I played in that way when I, you know, I, I think I entertained people and I, I think as Australian side, we played in to entertain people too. So I think I had that mindset uh, most of the time was go out and have some fun. No matter who's down the other end, I can get you out. I might not get you out. You might smash me all over the park, but I'll get you next time. Yeah. So I didn't give up. And I think it was one of those things that, yeah, you just have to do it. Once you've done it once and you realise that you're good enough, then it's a matter of how – then it's a, a different things come into it. How driven are you? Mm. Uh, what do you want to achieve? How do you keep motivating yourself over a long period of time? Uh, how do you inspire yourself? All those different things come into it after you've done it a few times and you realise you're good enough. Up until that stage, it's all about scared. You're scared, you know. You, you, yeah. you just don't want to do the wrong thing and embarrass yourself. But after that – and you've delivered, then it's a matter of driven. Okay? Yeah. And that's when practice and, and mental toughness, different situations come up, how you handle that. That's a completely different thing. So you evolve as a person and as a cricketer. And, um, you know, I was lucky enough that it did okay. So when, was, there a time, was there a time in your career where you weren't, the ball wasn't coming out exactly how you wanted it? And you just and you had to work through. Yeah, obviously, there's two components to it: the technical component and the mental, the mental aspect as well. 
but was there from the mindset aspect a time where you just you thought okay it's not working for me i need to find my mind the right mindset for me to be my best or did you just always after that first time against the west indies did you just always know how to bring yourself into that mindset that you needed to be at your best I, I, there was obviously challenges along the way. And oh. I, I, once that Western Eastern, I always had that mentality after yeah, that. Okay. I don't care who you are, I can get you out. <laughs> and I, I always believed in myself. That wasn't an arrogance. That was a confidence in my own ability. Mm. But along my journey of, you know, from 1990 when I started playing to 2013 when I finished along 23 years, there was a lot of challenges along that way. Mm. And the first real challenge was 1996 when I had my finger operation. Mm. I had to put my hand out like that and have a cortisone injection jabbed into my spinning finger. So I went through a stage of when I came back after it, it felt different. <laughs> so bowling spin or anything is all about feel and rhythm. And when you haven't got that, it's like, oh, hang on, why not? You know. So I had to work through that. Um so that took a little bit of time. So that was a bit of a challenge and a frustrating time mm. because I, nothing had changed besides a few injections in my finger, but it felt complete, completely different. <laughs> um, so that suddenly, you know, you'd bowl a ball and it would spin a mile and you go, hang on, that didn't feel right. And then you'd have one that you felt like it used to and it would go, it wouldn't spin as much. So I had to work through that. That was the first sort of real challenge I had. Mm-hmm. And then 98, um, the, my shoulder, I, from 90, 1990 to 98, that nine seasons, we, you've got to remember back then, I know the modern-day player play a lot of cricket, but as far as balls bowled, mm. we used to bowl so many balls back then in first-class cricket. I mean, there's no T20, but first-class cricket. So they were four days. They were 30 overs you were bowling it most days and in practice as well. So with the amount of balls and the wear and tear, and then – I, wasn't, I used to have a really good wrong mm-hmm. uh, when I first started. And then I had this day, a season where after my finger 96, when things weren't feeling uh, great, I, and I, I couldn't bowl my wrong as well. And I was really, and I said, right, I'm not leaving this nets until I bowl. I'm happy with my wrong again. And I stayed there for about four or five hours. And I just bowled a lot of wrong And my shoulder was already gone. And it was gone. And we went to India in 98. And my shoulder was basically hanging off. And uh, I, I didn't very have a very – I started off okay, but as the tour got on, I, I was – it just got worse and worse. I came back after that tour. And we had a quick one-day tour in Dubai. Came back, had a shoulder up, and they said uh, I had what's called a slap lesion, mm. which is what javelin throwers have. And they basically rebuild your shoulder. Mm. So I had a period there where it was for probably a few years – that I just wasn't at my best. I was still okay. But, you know, finger, then shoulder. And then 2001, I do my finger again. When I went for a catch, yeah. Mark Wall went to sweep Colin Miller. <laughs> and I was at slip. And I was, yeah, yeah, I got this. Hit the top of my finger, bounced up, caught it, threw the ball to the umpire. I looked down and my finger was that way. So then I had to have these screws in the finger with this hook coming out of my finger. I was like, oh, What? So I had that period there in the middle. I sort of my start of my career, of everything was great. And the end of my career was great because I was injury free. But there's that little period in the middle where I was in a bit inconsistent. Oh, yeah, sure. You know, 99 World Cup was good and there was a few great things. But there was also a lot more um, not as good. You know, I wasn't as consistently as good. And that was really frustrating for me um, because you want to deliver what you could, but you physically couldn't. You know, I just couldn't, and it just took a bit of time. And then in 2003, when I had a year off, everything healed. My knees, my backs, and just gave myself a year off. I came back in four, five, six, seven, and then into the IPL, eight, nine, mm-hmm. everything was still pretty good again. So, yeah, it was a frustrating time in the middle um, to try and stay positive there when you physically couldn't do what you wanted. Um, but I look back on that and go, it sort of helped me respect and have that satisfaction of when things were really good with to, to work your way through it and practice so hard to get back to that i could have easily said oh look you know I, i'm done but i i kept fighting and i i, I wasn't going to give up so i i'm pretty proud of that next up is the godfather of modern australian cricket alan border 
AB was as tough as they came. Having been at the helm of an Australian side during the dark days of the mid-1980s, but through sheer will and determination, AB navigated his team to the brink of world domination that set up a golden era of Australian cricket. As AB tells it, he had to develop serious mental strength in order to succeed. I think it's an innate thing. I think you've, you've, you've got it, uh, you know, in, inside you. The, the game can throw things at you pretty easy. It's one of those, um, you know, frustrating uh, sports, isn't it, uh, cricket? Because, uh, you know, you can sort of put all the hard yards in and then just for the sake of, you know, doing something silly or getting a good ball or whatever, you know, that, that's the end of your day very quickly. So it gets very, very frustrating at times. Um, and to have that um, that mental strength to sort of get through that and and, and sort of uh, move on to the next uh, scenario or um, or you know the teams you're playing against the, the difficult uh, bowlers that you, you're coming up against and how you how you cope with all that uh, I think it, it develops over time you know uh, that you um, have a, a you know a thicker skin about how you how you go about um, dealing with those pressures. So I think it's it's one of those things that you, you have but you can work on uh, just through understanding uh, the, the processes that you've got to go through to, to, to get better. Um, and I, I still, you know, go back to it, you know, that, that work ethic and doing all those hard yards behind the scenes, um, that helps with all that, um, you know, that, that uh, dealing with the pressures when you, when you come against, uh, up against it um, out in the middle. So for you to get in your like best performance mindset zone, was that getting into like into a fight as in like even in your own mind without, it doesn't have to be, you know, verbal, a verbal sort of fight with the opposition. Was that your way of being able to really get in, get into a battle to be able to get the best out of yourself? Or were you more someone who just got into your own bubble and just didn't allow anything to penetrate you? Oh, mate, a pretty, pretty sort of determined, uh, Personality. Uh, I, I can never ever remember walking off uh, the, the ground so sort of totally satisfied with the performance. <laughs> so therefore, if you've got that hard edge to the way you want to play, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it, it develops. As, it does develop. You know that. Um, I don't know that 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 strength that you want to play as as hard. At, game as you possibly can because you're just never satisfied or well, I was never totally 100% satisfied so therefore that drives you doesn't it because you, you know drives you for the, the perfect performance and um, if you're never quite there you're always searching for it but uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing I think that's not that's a good thing whereas you you know, you just you're making yourself um, hard to get out and um, just a really determined sort of uh, uh, person going about uh, doing the job that you do is uh, scoring as many runs as you can. Mm. And I, I tell young blokes now, you, you go out there and you score as many runs as you can and you don't come in until someone tells you to come in. And <laughs> if you've got that sort of attitude, um, you're going to have some sort of success. Yeah, for sure. And during a, a full day of test cricket, you batted for like six hours, like the ultimate for a, a test batsman is about a full day and you did that a lot. Was there a technique that you used to be able to sustain your mental energy for for a whole day? Yeah, it's an interesting uh, question, that isn't it? Because I, I think you, you all sometimes you know you can float in and out of um, you know being totally um, uh, concentrated. Um, I, I, I suppose you used to, to develop a, a, that method um, so that you're basically concentrating for the you know specifics that you need to concentrate for. So as the bloke. You know, whoever's bowling to you, it might be Malcolm Marshall, it might be, um, you know, the, the spinner, so you've got less time to um, uh, think about things. But um, as as the guy turns and he's starting to run in, I mean, that's when you start to, to go through your, your, your trigger um, motions. Now, some people have different uh, trigger uh, scenarios, don't they? Um, yeah. Yeah, remember, remember blokes like Greg Matthews. I don't know whether he played any yeah. with him. Or no, I didn't, but I remember watching him, yeah. Oh, mate, he'd, he'd be yelling out, now, 
or you know some you know verbalised you know when he had to really switch on. Yeah, and it was um, really off-putting when you're out <laughs> the field tops. I think um, uh, I used to do those sorts of scenarios, but just uh, you know you, you, you're verbalising, but just in, internally about uh, mm-hmm. when you've got to. You know, I might be saying something so like, watch the ball, watch the ball, watch the ball, watch the ball, just mm-hmm. over and over for about two or three seconds. Yeah. Um, as the guys, you know, just about to gather. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, you're doing, as soon as you can pick up that ball, uh, you, you, so that's half the battle. So if you can pick mm-hmm. it up as quickly as possible, then the other things through your training, um, you know, just seem to take over. So, therefore... Yeah. Uh, I always um, uh, found that if, uh, you're not, if you're not going through a particularly good period of uh, play, you've got to start asking yourself some questions and then all of a sudden you start thinking, well, am I watching the ball? And you says, oh, of course I am. But no, 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 are you watching the ball? Um, and uh, if, you, if you sort of really start thinking about it, you say, no, well, maybe I have still got into this slack um, situation where I'm just watching a general area or... Yeah. I'm watching the guy run in, you know, watching his kneecaps or something. I don't know what the, you know, you go through these uh, scenarios. So you, if you're watching the ball, that the other things just seem to fall into place. So that that, that was my sort of trigger to uh, get himself ready. Yep. So therefore, what, what you're talking about, um, you know, four or five seconds of cricket. So the guy's running in, lets the ball go, and you react to it. Yeah. Then. You sort of, then you start to think, well, okay, uh, how do, how do you, you've got to be able to relax if you want to bat for six hours. So you've got to start thinking, okay, you have a bit of a, a garden, knock down a few things. You might be thinking about, I don't know, whether it was a good ball, bad ball, where, where the scoring opportunities. You, are, you, you go through all those sort of processes. Mm. But um, um, at the end of overs, I, I quite like to sort of wander down and have a chat to your, your batting partner. Um, you know, it might be in a jovial sort of uh, situation, depending on the, the game situation. Um, even, even in those, those tensest moments, sometimes it's, it's good to have a bit of a, you know, like a, a, a light-hearted sort of moment just to, to try and relax you a little bit more. But mm. I think the secret of batting long, long periods of time is that switch-on, switch-off um, um, period. You don't want to be sort of on too much because it will drain you and you... you as you start getting mentally tired, that's when you'll make your mistakes. So um, to stay as fresh as possible is to, you know, concentrate really hard for that shorter period of time and then try and relax and, and, and do some deep breathing and whatever if you're a bit nervy. Um, yeah, there's, there's different sort of techniques that just sort of come to you over time that, you, you know, that only you probably understand. You know, mm-hmm. different guys do different, different things, but... Um, yeah, you don't want to be concentrating or in the moment for too long. You've got to be be able to switch on, switch off. And that's something that you just consciously, like that routine you consciously just work through like every ball to make sure that you knew that you weren't burning out too much you know, mental energy by staying on for too long. Yeah, and again, it's a, it's a, it's a learnt thing. Yeah. I mean, when you're young, you're just, you know, you're trying to smash everything and it's a different um, sort of, process and, and then as you start going through the ranks um, you start to work, work out you know what works what doesn't work um, you know concentration wise you know if I, if I want to bat for a long period of time you know ha, you know what's the process I've got to go through because you know I'm, I'm getting sort of fantastic 20s but yeah what, what good's that you know 20 and in, in, I'm waiting batting for 15 20 minutes you know Imagine if I go back for two hours, you know, you know, how many runs can you get? So all of a sudden you start going through these processes about how how can I bat for longer and what have I got to do to, um, you know, stay in that peak concentration. So yeah, I, I, I do believe it's just a, it's a learnt process and um, uh, as you, if you want to have be successful, you start to work out, gee, what, what have I got to do to be successful? And these are things, you know, that I've got to go through that process. Yeah, I wish I knew that because the one thing in Test cricket, I was so good at burning my mental energy out. I just I was on, <laughs> I was on all the time, and it wasn't like it wasn't until later, like after I actually finished Test uh, Test cricket, where I got educated around 
mental skills and especially how to preserve your mental energy. Oh my gosh. Mm. Oh, Cause I was just on, in the lead up to a test match I was on when I was out the non-strikers and I was, I was on has to be my day to day. I need to be, I can't be, Oh, it's just revving so high. So yeah, it's, Amazing advice, mate. It is a frustrating thing, that isn't it? Uh, I mean, I think we all go through it because you do get mm. anxious. There are mm. periods where you're not playing particularly well, mm. and you, and and half the battle is you, you start, you're overthinking things. <laughs> you're, you're just overdoing it. You, you know, you're constantly on the go. Even when you you can't even sleep well, yeah. you just you know you, you drop patches where you're doing what something you know, that you, mm. and it's just you're just totally on. Yeah, and the, and the harder you try, the worse you get. So it's um, I'm not too sure how you sort of get back in the zone more regularly. But, um, mm. you know, it, it's got there's there is a process for it. Yeah, I mean, well, what you said there is by understanding where your mind is at, where your mind's at. Okay, I'm on, I'm on as the ball is running in, but then I'm off when when I don't need to be on, and that alone is so powerful to just understand how to preserve your mental energy. Yeah, and, and it's easier than done because the game situation, you know, you, you get into these pressure um, situations. Um, it's hard just to be jovial or, you know, mm. think about, um, you know, tiptoe through the tulips sort of <laughs> stuff, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's a test match. There's, um, you know, Malcolm Marsh is bowling some serious uh, stuff to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, you're five for a hundred. You know, you you're under a bit of bit of pressure. It's hard just to you know be oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. Songs to yourself, sort of thing. But uh, there is obviously, if you can do a lot more of that, the the, the better. So that you you're on, and then you can just sort of just try and chill a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, deep breathing is a good one. Deep breathing is a bit. Um, Underrated. Uh, yeah. If you're getting tense and stressed, that uh, breathing techniques are uh, a pretty good thing to sort of uh, think about too, because it's yeah. amazing how it does rupture, um, and uh, that that's that's part of the battle. Kevin Peterson was one of Australia's greatest rivals during my playing days, an opponent we thought thrived on the contests and engaged in some heated banter on the field. But as I learned from talking to him, it was quite the opposite. Here's KP on the mental side of his extraordinary game. You know what, mate? It wasn't a case of anything to do with mentality. It was a case of why, how, how I am as a person mm-hmm. and how I, well, how I was as a person through my 30s, uh, 20s and early, early 30s to, into, the mid, um, into the mid-30s. Uh, until you, I've completely relaxed now and I'm on a, a different path in my life in, in the world of conservation and all that kind of stuff. Um, I was like, re- I want everything now and something needs to happen now. And I was that bullish, right, I'm going to come and get you kind of vibe. And also that was my role in the England team to go out there and be dominant and powerful and uh, obstructive and club the opposition. And I mean, that's everything that they wanted from me. And I had to play that play that story or play that role even when I wasn't playing nicely. Um, and I was lucky enough that I had a talent that backed it up. It could have easily gone pear-shaped, but I don't know. I was just lucky enough that a talent and a work ethic that backed that up and, and helped me through the process. So what would you say was the, from a mental like intensity point of view, what would you say the best version of you looked like? Like what intensity level was it? Was it, um, was it that real intense Relax. taking them on? Or was it more no, sort of chilled? I, I was really relaxed with my game. I was I okay. was really relaxed in my game, but obviously you got to puff your chest out and walk out there as if you own that pop increase. Mm. Um, but I was at my best when my practice was flawless, <laughs> and that's and that's basically it. When my practice was flawless, I never substituted anything for hard work. I never went to bed the night before a test match or a one day international or anything thinking, oh, my goodness, why didn't I practice my sweeps today if I'm going to sweep him tomorrow, if I'm playing Habishan tomorrow, or why, have I, how, how's my pull shot looking? i got Brett Lee tomorrow at the Gabba. Can I play the pull shot? I mean, just a perfect example is that first trip down under 2006, six seven after we whacked you guys in 2005. Everyone was like, we're going to take his head off. We're going to clean him out. He's not going to be able to play in Australia. La, 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 all the nonsense associated to it. And so for two weeks leading into the first test match, I just went in early morning, late afternoons. No one saw it. I took um, 
our batting coach and I went and put a bowling machine in the nets and I had those hockey balls. Bah, 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 90 mile an hour bumpers. Mm. And I just did that for 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And it was amazing. I played against New South Wales in a warm-up game. McGrath played, McGill played, Clark played, Lee played, Bracken played, uh, some other numpty played. And I just, I just walked out to the crease and Binger started bouncing me with, uh, and, and I, and I just started whacking it and I started playing it well. And I was just like, I, I'm properly ready for this series now. Got to the Gabba, got 92 in the first dig, got to Adelaide, I got 150, got to Perth, I went 50, 70. Melbourne, uh, I didn't get a run in Melbourne. And then in Sydney, I, yeah, I don't think Sydney, I got, Melbourne, I got 20 in 30s, Sydney, I got 20 and hardly anything. Um, I mean, our race was run completely by them, but it's that little bit of dedication to practice which helped me in my career, identifying something that I know I need to improve on and making it work. So a really important part of your your mental preparation was making sure you ticked every single box the day before Everyone. the game. So your confidence, you knew leaving that net session or that that day before the before that game. Yep that you ticked every box so confident you were very confident going to the game knowing you've your preparation was as you said was flawless yeah yeah walking out to bat i knew that your best delivery i would be able to manage mm. simple that's it it's interesting because i always i always thought playing against you that the best version of you was yeah you walked out with your chest out but it was i'm taking i'm taking you i'm having that intensity that i'm getting in getting in a contest i'm getting in the fight because i want to i want to dominate you which you (laughs) which you did so often but it was but it was more yeah but it wasn't but it wasn't that was i mean that was just nonsense that was just bravado water that was just Mm role playing if you want to call it uh Mm. want to call it that i still needed to make sure that i was in control of when you bowled me the ball, I was on what the ball was delivered. It's no good mm-hmm. walking out to bat and trying to play um, Sylvester Stallone if you John mm-hmm. Cleese. Yeah. You can't. You need yeah. to have all your <laughs> wits about you and go out there and <laughs> back up back up if you want to start throwing punches. So mm-hmm. for me it was yeah, it was a case of also not letting down and not letting anyone get to me. Uh, so if you you guys started to go at me, I I, I mean I somehow and for some strange reason it would get me going and I'd play a little bit better but I don't know I just I find I find that fascinating I do I absolutely find that fascinating around you you knew the best version of you was not getting caught up and it was just making sure you were focused on the ball and what was coming down but then playing against you it was always he's in the battle he's in the contest he looks like he's trying to get yeah. into that fight to get himself up and going but in your own mind you knew where you where your mind had to be especially as the ball was about to be bowled. Greg Blewett said to me when I was uh, in 2000, he said to me, I said, what do you about batting? What, what do, you, do you think about batting? What do you, he was our overseas player. Hmm. He said, we're not the smartest blokes in the world. He said, and we can't think about two or three things at the same time. He said, but by the time the bowler gets to the back of his mark, there is only one thing you should be thinking about, worrying about, even contemplating getting involved in. And that is that little thing that Mm -hmm. that guy's holding and he's going to deliver. It's 10 seconds and then you're done. That's Mm -hmm. all it is. Just go and do 10 seconds and then you're done. And I did that my whole career. The only time I never did that was when Alan Donald bowled to me in a county championship game in 2002 or 2003. And he's my hero growing up. And he ran into me and I was just like, oh my word, look at this. This is like a video game. <laughs> video game. I thought I was playing a video game. Alan Donald running into me with that white lightning, that beautiful yeah, run So cool. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you, like and I was watching Alan Donald run up. My off stump was at third man. <laughs> I was like, oh no, I didn't watch the ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's easy to do. Someone like him, goodness yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so. I just concentrated, no matter all the nonsense and the hullabaloo that was going on yeah. uh, after I'd played the shot or missed the ball or left the ball, as soon as Binger got to the back of his mark, or especially when they were uh, reverse swinging it in India, mm. at Sri Lanka, against Pakistan, I would always monitor that ball. And I may be having a ding-dong with somebody at extra cover, but I would always be on that ball to see which side is he holding the ball? Is it going to swing in? Is it going to swing out? Yeah. And, I mean, luckily, my eyes are pretty good, so... I mean, from most guys' run-ups, Zahir Khan and uh, James Anderson were the only two bowlers that I I was never able to pick Pick. which side the ball they were holding because they covered the ball so well. The rest of them, 
I didn't have any issues with any of that stuff. That's that skill that you had around of being super aware of those 10 seconds as a ball, as a bowl is about to yeah. start to run in. And then once yeah. the ball was bowled, you had that, that mental process of being able to make sure you switched off as well. You yes. were very, you were very yeah. conscious about that. Big time, big time. And yeah, when, yeah. when did you, and when were you, when did that start? Because that was one thing that I was shocking at shocking at was actually switching off in between balls. I was like on, I was on for the, <laughs> I was on the, like for the yeah. battle and all the time. And I did not, I wasn't aware of how important it was to be able to be on when you need to be, but then switch off because you need to be able to conserve your mental energy so you can do it for like a long period of time. Uh, I, I just think that came naturally because of mm-hmm. how intense I was watching that ball. Mm-hmm. And I was so focused on that ball that as soon as the ball was delivered and, and, and the result was the result was on the particular ball, mm. it was done. It was gone. The ball was done and I was on to the next one. Mm. And constant, trying to concentrate for that long, trying to think, oh, no, I've got to stay in this, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, mm. I've got to do this. And it's different. It's different stages of your innings. I mean, at the start of your innings, you're still trying to suss out the wickets and you're still mm. trying to suss the pace out or the spin. So you do concentrate for a little bit longer, but once you get in, or once I got in, I was just like, nah, it's just the ball, five, ten, five, six, seven seconds, and then done. Now you hear from Mr. Cricket himself, Mike Hussey. Mike was an incredibly skilled and intelligent batsman that had every shot in the book and a player that performed under immense pressure. But his ability to shine in the heat of the battle was not something that came naturally to him, as he explains. Uh, without doubt, it's something I had to develop. Um, and again, I was very lucky in my formative years in Western Australia that we had a sports psychologist from basically under 15s all the way through to the Sheffield Shield team, a guy called Sandy Gordon. Uh, he was instrumental in, in, in those younger years, just educating us. Now, there were some pretty boring sessions, I must admit, sitting in lecture theatres and going through topics like goal setting and concentration, visualisation, routines, um, but but again, that that foundation that, that was built in those young years held me in great stead for the for the latter part of my career. Um, I, I was always a very insecure person. I think it went right back to those young junior days when I was so little, so small, had no power, had no shots. I never thought I was as good as the other guys. I had to work twice as hard just to be able to compete with these players, and so I had so many doubts and so much self doubt that I had to work extremely hard on the mental side of the game. Um, and, and personally, I think it's – I heard Dennis Lilly say when I was a kid growing up that cricket is 90% mental, 10% skill. I didn't believe him at the time, but now I actually probably do believe it. And, and particularly as you go up, up the levels, um, the higher you go, it is all, all in the mind. And, and I, I was very grateful that uh, I was able to learn those skills from a, from a younger age as I said, goal setting, concentration, visualisation and routines. Um, Still, batting is a long journey. So I was certainly no master of those at all by the time I was playing first-class cricket. And even midway through my first-class career, I was still certainly not a master of those skills. By the time I got picked for Australia and I was 30 years of age, I had a much better understanding of my game from a technical sense but I also had a very good understanding of, of, of my game from a mental sense and what I needed to do to mentally prepare and what I needed to do um, to, to give myself a chance of performing out in the middle as well. And the, the big one for me was developing a routine. <laughs> and, and this took me, I think it took me over five years to develop my routine. Um, and so I'll tell you the process that I went through. I, I, if, if I had a, a brilliant innings, where I just, everything just felt in the groove. I felt in the zone. I, I just, I don't know, batting felt easy. After that innings, I just got a blank piece of paper and I literally just uh, did a brainstorm. I, I literally just threw down anything I could think of on that piece of paper. So in the week leading up to the game, how did I train? What sort of training did I do? What did I eat? How much was I sleeping? Um, how did I feel... Uh, how did I sleep the night before the game? How, how did I feel in the morning of the match? What did I do in the warm-up? Um, what, did I, what was I thinking when I walked out to bat while I was batting? What was I switching on, switching off? How was I, was I tense? Was I relaxed? 
what was I thinking about? Anything and everything I could possibly think of, just sprayed it down on this piece of paper. I put that piece of paper in a drawer. Now, maybe two months, six months, maybe a year later, if I had another experience where I batted like a a champion, um, everything felt great, I'd do exactly the same process, just spray everything down on this piece of paper, put it in the drawer, and I did this five times. And then at the end of five times, I got out the five pieces of paper and you could see a, a, a general trend of what was happening in the lead-up to matches, how I was feeling, what I did in warm-up, but then more specifically what I was doing in between deliveries as well. Uh, and so that helped me develop my routine. Now, again, this works for me. <laughs> I, 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 I need to impress that what, what I did won't necessarily work for you or any other player out there around the world. But it was a great process to go through because it gave me a great understanding about what my best game looked and felt like. And so I knew that if I could just stick to these, these key things, whether the results were good or not so good, I knew they'd worked for me in the past and I knew if I stuck to them, I'd be okay. And, uh, and so that helped me develop a very, very, uh, not, not rigid, not strict, but a very sort of good routine that I, that I could stick to. And, and that was invaluable and that's when I keep coming back to batting is such a long journey. You don't get to be close to your best until you're, you know, probably 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, because you've had this opportunity to learn about your game and learn about yourself and learn about what your best looks and feels like. It's phenomenal, Huss. Thanks for telling me that when you're doing it. Oh, <laughs> it wasn't until after I finished <laughs> test cricket where I started to do that. Anyway, <laughs> um, okay, one question with this is, were you, were you doing this in your early to mid-20s of what your best version of yourself was even at that moment of a moment in time? No, de- definitely not. Um, I, I had a basic understanding of, of those mental skills and, and I was trying to work on those, um, but, but definitely not. I, I, I guess coming in, I, I was very set on how I wanted to play. My game was based around um, patience and discipline um, letting a lot of balls go, dropping and running, running hard between the wickets, batting lots of time. That, that was the way my, my game was. Um, and that's, that's how I played pretty much throughout my whole life, being that young little, little kid. Um, so I was very one-dimensional in that respect. I was desperate to try and get into that Australian team. And I, I looked at the Australian team of that time and there was guys like uh, Matthew Hayden, uh, Ricky Ponting, um, uh, Adam Gilchrist, even Justin Langer turned himself from a, a bit of a dogged player into more of an attacking player. And I thought that's what the national selectors want. They want attacking players. So I decided to change my game and try and be more attacking and more aggressive and put the pressure on the bowlers and play more shots. And to be honest, it, it had a, a detrimental effect to my, my game. I, I became very inconsistent. Um, I... I ended up actually getting dropped from the WA team because I, I was just so so inconsistent with my form. And it really made me sort of take hold and sort of think, okay, well, how do you play best? You know, and I almost sort of thought, well, I'm not going to play for Australia now because I can't get picked for WA. So I'm just going to go back to enjoying my game, taking some pressure off myself, go back to playing my way um, and, and just enjoying, enjoying playing the game again, you know, knowing that I could still be proud of my career if I played 10 years for Western Australia. And it was amazing. As soon as I went back to playing my way and, and focusing on what my best looks like and having more self-awareness uh, rather than trying to be like someone else, and that's when my consistency returned. And, and, and as far as I, I didn't go back to being a boring, dogged player again, but you, you sort of slowly develop more shots over time, um, particularly with more one-day cricket and things like that. So I think I was naturally developing a, you know, better stroke play as well. Finally, it's A.B. de Villiers. A.B. is one of the most destructive batters in the world who makes hitting sixes and destroying bowling attacks look ridiculously easy. One such occasion was his demolition job of the West Indies in the 2015 World Cup, scoring a crazy 162 from 66 balls. But as AB explains, he had other things on his mind that day, which may have in fact helped him during that innings. Um, That knock in Sydney at the SCG um, against the West Indies, I'll never forget, uh, leading up to to the game, 
Um, we decided the day before the game not to practice. I called it off um, with the coach, um, just purely because of the magnitude of the, the event. I mean, it tends to get you and you sort of get into this mold of just training, playing, training, playing. And I wanted to, the guys to sort of just get out of that bubble a bit and sort of just touch base with who we are as people. Uh, we played a volleyball game in the gardens outside of the hotel the day before. And I think that was a, that was a really good move by the management, um, which I was a part of. Uh, and funny enough, that, that night at 3 a.m., just before the game, I woke up with, um, I, I felt incredibly sick. So I, I had the doctor wow. over. First of all, I couldn't sleep till about one o'clock. <laughs> and then I started feeling ill. <laughs> so I had the doctor over from 3 till 5 a.m. I literally, I don't think I slept more than an hour that night. Uh, my wife was there as well. So I, I, I had doubts of playing that game. Um, I really, I, I had incredibly, uh, incredible bad stomach um, and, and some other um, symptoms as well. Anyway, long story short, went to the game. Uh, I got on my feet. So I think I even I took all kinds of medicine and somehow told the doctor, listen, I'm just going to be there today. I'll even move myself down the order if I have to, but I, I have to just play this game. It's a crunch game. It's a must win for us. Um, long story short, Ended up batting first. Um, I was literally sleeping on the couch, <laughs> and when the guys told me you got to go out and bat, and when I look back in my career, um, I've had a few moments like that where sort of the chips were down, and I, I, maybe it's I felt ill, or maybe I was half injured. Those are always the moments where I really felt the most comfortable at the wicket for some reason. I think it's also a mental thing where you just really you just let go and, and you tell yourself, "Listen, I've nothing to lose here." And, um, the rest was history. I, I saw the. I, I felt incredibly confident the first fifty runs. I, I saw the ball so well, and um, quite sooner um, than expected, I pulled. I pulled the trigger um, purely because I felt like you know what I'm seeing it so well. I've got an opportunity to to put the windish to bed here yeah, um, without mm-hmm. taking it too deep, and uh, everything came off. It's been what you talk there about letting go, about really letting go because of the circumstances that are, were around you that said, you know what, I'm just. I feel I don't feel well. You know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take it on because I don't can't really run that much as well because I'm cooked. Yeah. It's amazing how just in your own mind is really letting go is what things the the incredible things you actually can do. There's there's no doubt about it. Um, and I I'm not always successful with that, but I'd say I, I sort of and I think you'll relate to it throughout your career. You you find a way to to do it more often. Mm. Um, I think the greats of, I watched that last dance um, series two nights ago. Mm. Um, Michael Jordan had the ability to do that. Um, you, could, you could sense when you walked into the change room and when the cameras are following him, um, you can see he knows what he's, he's going out to do, but he's so relaxed and so in the moment and just listening to his music, making jokes. And I think that's the kind of thing that I try and achieve more often than not. I only probably get it right about three or four, time, four times out of ten. Um, but when I do get it right, it's almost that guarantee in your mind, like, you know what, I'm going to have fun today no matter what. And mm. I'm most probably going to perform because I'm so relaxed. There was a lot of reasons that there were a lot of reasons that day for me not to be in that, in that mode. Um, the, the sickness, my, my, my mom was there. She flew through um, the night before. Um, it was a huge crowd. It was a must win for us. There were many reasons for me to just sort of cramp up a bit and, and tighten up. Um, but I think maybe that illness and the, the lack of sleep helped just to, for me to stay in the moment. I woke up from that couch with my pads on. I couldn't remember where my helmet was. And it was just a moment of, you know what, I don't have to panic. I'll just, I'm just going to go play the game. And yeah, but it's sometimes the best thing that, that can happen to you. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I go back to the, the best performance I've had in one day cricket. And it was all because it was in Bangladesh. We'd bowled first. We're batting second. It was super hot. I'm like, you know what? I can't really, I can't really run. I'm cooked. So all I did was just teed him up. I was like, stuff it. I'm just going to take him down. If I get out of, well, you know what? I don't really care. And then it's amazing when you fully let yourself go to that extent, what's actually possible. But because you sort of grow up in an environment where you've all, you put some shackles on yourself, you sort of pull things back a little bit. It's like, oh, I can't really, I can't just like load up every ball. Like, what until I get out? You start to have that, put those doubts into your mind, but there's situations that you just open up and then all of a sudden you just go, God, imagine if I could do that every, imagine if I could bat with that freedom every time. <laughs> That's the ultimate thing that you're chasing. It's an incredibly fine line though, Wado. It's, mm. it's so, such a fine line between doing that, but also then going, but you don't really value your wickets, you know, because that's also mm. incredibly important to really feel like you care for what you do. 
but you have to free up. So it's a it's a very difficult balance that I that I all, that, that I fought with my my entire career, and I, mm. you'll know exactly what I mean. Um, sometimes to let go is the best thing, but it's very difficult to consistently repeat that. Um, yeah. Just playing this uh, carefree kind of Chris Gale cricket, you know. I, I, yeah, I'll, I'll fail eight out of ten times um, mm. do, doing that. So I, it's so difficult to get that balance right. And to, I think the the most important thing is to be true to yourself and to understand what kind of mindset you are in mm-hmm. before you go out to bed. Sometimes you do need to kick yourself up the ass a bit and say, "Listen, wake up! You are way too 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 asleep here." Yeah? yeah. And sometimes vice versa is important. We just got to tell yourself, "Listen." Just let go and go play the game and eat the ball. So you've just got to be true to yourself. Exactly right. And that's defining what the best version of you looks like in different situations. And and when we talk about that as well, there's a second highlight to me that really stands out. And it is the op- this is the opposite to your World Cup, Cup Blitz. And that was your 33 off 220 balls against the Aussies in Adelaide in 2012. And this is to have the mental toughness and discipline to rein in your game to that extent, which saved the test match and ultimately won the that series for South Africa, the test series for South Africa is something that I'll never, ever forget because to be able to go from having that freedom that you play, you can play with to be able to rein it in that much to defend and not like you hardly, you really didn't play an attacking shot at all. Like, I, I don't know how that's possible. Cause I can't do, I'll get out. If I'm doing that, I'm getting out some way. <laughs> How'd you do that? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't very enjoyable. I must admit, but um, I was very driven to, to have an impact on on the results, I, I felt we were close to to turning things around. And um, you know, sport—it's an incredible game of the uh, game of cricket. It's an incredible sport. It's um, if you hang out, I mean, if things don't go your way and you hang out there long enough, it, it turns around in no time. And it happens mm. with all sports like that. Uh, I, mm. play, I play a lot of golf. I played tennis back in the day. Um, you just got to sort of push that barrier as far as you can, and and you'll be amazed how things turn around. And I, I literally, I was very disciplined that innings. I made a conscious decision that I, I'm not even going to run. I, I don't care what happens here. I'm just out here to stay as long as I can for the boys. And ultimately setting up for, for helping him set up mm. um, his first hundred and um, and him finishing off that game with a draw. And then we went to Perth and won that next test. Um, it was it was a very rewarding innings. Um, I must say, I, sat, I, was, I was quite irritated to myself getting out there. I think I... I got a little bit lazy. That's the, that was the trick um, with that innings. Uh, I, I was I wasn't intending to score any runs, but my intensity still had to be high. Mm. Uh, so I went into a little patch of two or three overs where my intensity dropped a, a little bit, and and Peter still snuck one through bad pad. Came a little bit off the wicket, but if my intensity was good, I probably would have got some bad on it. Mm. So I'd, if I had to be hard on myself, I'd say I, I lost my intensity intensity a touch, but um, very chuffed with the with the effort and the fact that we saved that test. Yeah, and what you said there, the the difference between having still having in, like intensity, that intensity of your movements, but then defending, and that's the thing that people like out there have to also understand is that just because you're really intense, that doesn't mean that you're blazing away and you're, you're hitting every ball for six. It's you have that real intent, but then you are defending as well, and that's what you just did inc- so incredibly well. Like not many people have the ability to be able to do that. And to be able to find that balance, because I, I, I didn't. My, if I, if my, if my, if I was going out just defending, then my intensity was too low, and I'd, I'd, I'd get out. I'd miss a drive. I'd nick a drive, or be back off the ball and get bowled or LB. Yeah, I, I, I might give away one of my biggest batting secrets now, but <laughs> it's something I learned. It's something I learned from you Aussie guys. Um, is is the way you almost and I, I spoke to Josh about that the other day, and I told him this. It's the way you almost um, act out your your scene in your movie when you're batting. That's the way it must be almost. So um, Steve Smith, when these little extra things that he, that he does at the wicket, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily to irritate the opposition. It's, it's really putting himself in that mindset of, I'm here to, to play out the lead actor of, of this movie. Um, some guys will call loud, wait on, no, yeah. And it's, it's irritating to opposition, mm-hmm. but it's really like turning the intensity up. And when I, I found that when I, when I did that throughout my career, I was, I was invincible at times. I, I think of the very last test series I played against the Aussies. Um, Warner really um, sort of getting the fire in the belly going after that first test match in Durban. And from the rest of the series onwards, my intensity was like at a thousand percent because of that probably. Um, but that really sort of spurred me on. My, my calling was louder. My chest was out. My body language. I was making eye contact with everyone without talking. 
I just really, I, I just know when I do that, everything happens slower. Pat Cummins feels like he's bowling 135, not 150. So those little things really help. Um, and, and you're seeing the ball um, out of the bowler's hand better. Everything just happens better and easier. And um, so that's the biggest secret for me when I'm mm. batting is really just to just act it out, you know, fake, fake it that you're playing in a big movie. You're the gladiator. And um, I mean, you got to put it on the line. You might lose sometimes, but more often than not, you're going to do incredible things and, and uh, you'll reach some amazing heights. How did you know that that worked? Was it just that one, was it that one series that re- it, like that really clicked or you just knew over your career that that was, if you locked into that, that headspace and being that lead role in your, in that movie, in your movie, that that was when you were like invincible. It happened consistently throughout my career. Um, the, the difficult part was doing that every time and sort of getting myself up for it every time. Um, mm. And I, I, I can really relate to watching other documentaries of sports people um, going through the same kind of thing. Uh, it, it's, al- it's almost impossible to do it every time. So yeah. let's not kid ourselves. I think that's possibly what makes Virat Kohli one of the best players ever. No he question. He seems like he's playing his final game every time he, he bats. And if I could do that more consistently, I would be more consistent in my performances. I know that for a fact. Um, but it's so difficult to really tell yourself, especially in a long tournament like this in the IPL, 16 games, every single time to get those juices flowing. It's really difficult. But that's the that's the great opportunity we have as sports people to try and just repeat that mindset, no matter what the, the, the result will be, just to repeat what you do as a player and what makes the best or brings out the best in you. Um, another documentary I watch is Annie Murray's uh, of Resurfacing. Oh, it's yeah, on, okay. I haven't seen Yeah, I haven't watched that. It's on okay. Amazon Prime now. And, yeah. and exactly the same thing. It's, it's about those juices flowing and how much do you really want it? But can you repeat it time and time again? Mm. I think of Djokovic and all the, the greats. Uh, that's what really make make them the best players in the world. And that's the thing that stood out to me the most in the last dance was Michael Jordan, his ability every single game for a long NBA season and then for a long career to better have that intensity like it's his last game every single game. And that's as soon as I watched, saw that, I was like, well, that's exactly how Virat is. That's a reason why he is so good yeah. because he is like playing. It's like his last game every single game, no matter what. And for me, that, I think that's superhuman because no matter how much I try and do it and you try and chase it all the time, I, I didn't think that was possible. Not for me. <laughs> that, was, that was probably the hardest thing throughout my career. I, 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 I got to a place where I felt like I could really play. And, mm. and then immediately I felt that shadow like of, yeah, but how long can I do this for? <laughs> um, and that's why I have so much respect for some of the greats who do it day in and day out. And I think of a Djokovic, I think of some of the best golfers in the world who just, continuously do that. And I, I think to myself, how did I find the strength to continuously do that? And then, I mean, I, I, I shouldn't be too hard on myself. I did it for a while, but I, I think the really tough part is to, uh, to sort of allow the outside music and your family life and the balance of other stuff not to interfere too much. And unfortunately, um, once you get married and the kids come along, things change and cricket is not the most important thing anymore. Um, I think Michael Jordan felt that maybe in those years when he started playing baseball, his father passed away a lot of outside noise came into his basketball and that's that's probably why he sort of he slipped out for a few years and then um, he found that urge again and came back just as great that he is. For more episodes of Lessons Learned with the Greats, head to t20stars.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.